Here's where we're going in this series. Here's maybe our big idea that we want us to see. And that is that we need to make room for the important over the urgent. That's going to be my challenge to us today. How do we make the room for the important over the urgent? Now, a long time ago, I saw a book. I read another book by Stephen Covey. Have you heard of him? Maybe you've read of Covey. He's a time management guru, leadership guru. I read one of his books called The Seven, uh, Seven Habits of the Most Successful People. Okay, and I'm thinking that's a book I probably need to take a look at. And so I took Covey's book, and in that book, there's an interesting visual that helped me. I'm a visual person, are you? It helps me to see things. Covey told the story of another professor who was teaching a class about time management. So he brought out a jar similar to this one, and he said, I want to show you something. And so he decided that he wanted to put all of his big rocks into this jar. And so one by one, he took big rocks, and he placed them in the jar until the jar was full. When he filled up it all, and I, I didn't quite fill mine up, but when it was filled to the top, he looked at his students and he said, Now, is the jar full? And, of course, they replied, Yes. But then he said, Oh, not really. He reached beneath, beneath his case and found some gravel some pebbles, little small rocks, and he poured it over these. And you know what happened? It found its way to all the crevices and cracks in those rocks. Is it full now? And they looked at him, and by now have figured it out, and said, no. And he said, you're right, because he didn't reach down again, took sand out, poured sand over it, and the sand granulars were so small, they what? They filled the holes. And before long, his little bucket of sand was gone. Is it full now? Well, I guess the answer is no, they're thinking. And he said, you're right. And he took a bottle that was filled with water. And he poured the water until the water came to the top. And he said, now, what's the lesson? I don't know about you. I was never the person in class who liked to answer the teacher out loud. Even if I knew the answer, let somebody else do it, right? I wasn't going to answer. But, you know, some people just like to answer. So somebody raised their hand and said, I know, I know. The answer, the meaning is, if you try hard enough, you can cram everything into life. <laughs> well, no. Even though that's how we act sometimes, right? If we try hard enough, maybe we can cram everything in. He said, nope, here's the real meaning. He said, suppose I had started in the opposite order. Suppose I had filled the jar with water and then added sand and then added the pebbles. Would I have been able to get all of the big rocks in? The answer, of course, is no. So what does that have to do with anything for us today? Everything. Because here's what I want to talk about this morning. We need to learn how to put the big rocks in life into our lives first. Because if we don't put the big rocks in, the little rocks, the little pebbles, the sand, the water, the insignificant and yet urgent will so fill our lives that we'll never get the big rocks in. I guess what I'm saying today is there are some big rocks in our life. And I say big meaning important. There are some things in our life that are big they're important. You and I would even say they're important. I, now, I can't tell you what's important, what your big rocks are, no, no more than you can tell me what my big rocks are. But I know this. All of us have some big rocks, some things that are important. Today, 
we're going to talk about priority. Making room for priorities in life. Making room in our life for the big rocks. Those things that are priority. Those things that are most important. Because here's what I know. There's a tendency for the urgent to crowd out the important. Now, let me give you an illustration of what I'm talking about. I don't want to talk in circles. This week, um, boy, our holidays were crazy. <sighs> we have parent, two parents in hospitals, and you know how that is, and both of them in different cities, and uh, boy, it was just a, a crowded mess in our life. But guess what? On top of that, our grandkids came over because our daughter was gone, a little vacation, and so we love having grandkids. And so they're at the house, and, and we're busy, and everything is going good. I love my grandkids at the house, and, and they're there. And, and in the mornings, I would get up early to do my work because I'm behind, you know, I'm, and I've got this free time. So I'm going to get up early, get ahead a little bit, and uh, I'm working away. And then New Year's Day comes, and, and I'm thinking, oh, man, I gotta, I'm so excited. And uh, if you don't mind me saying, Wendy, I saw your post about rearranging a room, and that's what I was doing. I was rearranging my office and I'm just getting it all set and all steady and everything's going cool and uh, my, my grandson came in and he looked at me and he said hey gee daddy want to shoot some basketball you know now he's uh he's 10 this is Brody Brody comes in he's playing Aliana his sister and uh frankly she's not giving him a lot of competition so he said gee daddy you want to play some basketball shoot some basketball and of course my response in my head is I don't have time right now. Right now, I need to finish this job. I need to rearrange. It's the only day I've got to rearrange. And then, just how God does. If you think you have a hard time listening to my sermons, you ought to have to live with them all week. Because in my mind, this message is going through my mind, and I'm thinking, you know what? Shooting basketball with those boys right now is a pretty big rock. And if I'm not careful, I'm letting the urgency of straightening this room crowd out my big rock. That's the kind of things I'm talking about. Now, I'm not saying you should drop everything you're doing to play with the grandkids. Not a bad idea, but probably shouldn't do that. I am saying that sometimes those things that are big in our life, important in our life, are crowded out by things that are far less important, but sometimes seem to be more urgent. Over the next four weeks, the whole idea of making room is a realization that there are some things that we need to make room for in our lives. There are some big rocks that we need to think about, we need to ponder, we need to put into our lives. But if I were to ask you this morning, what are some big rocks in your life, you might struggle a little bit to think about that. So the next four weeks, I want to help you. I want to jumpstart your list, okay? I don't want to create your list because only you can decide what the big rocks are. But I do want to jumpstart your list with some ideas, some things that we find in Scripture that God says are big rocks in our life, okay? Not Eddie's opinion. Eddie's opinion doesn't matter in the big rocks in your life. But God's does, and God has said to us, there are some big rocks. And yet, the very things that he talks about often get crowded out. And if I would mention them at first without this message, you'd be saying, but I don't have time for that. I don't have room for that in my life. I'm kind of like the guy with the little suitcase. I have no room, but I'm saying to you, we all have the same amount of time and the same amount of room. We just have to learn to stack the rocks, okay? So to make my point, I want to go to a, an event in the life of Jesus. Um, it's amazing to me how the Bible speaks to everything. There is nothing that I have found in life that the Bible does not address and speak to, and it includes a matter of priority. 
Jesus has this event. There's an event in Jesus' life. It's found in the Gospel of Luke. So if you, wanna, if you have a Bible or a tablet or phone, if you want to turn to Luke chapter 10, we'll get there. It'll be on the screen in a moment. But let me tell you this story. If I could just tell you the story first, and then I want to read it and unpack it as we go and see what we can learn from it. Here's the event. Jesus is walking in the land of Judea with his disciples. And as he's walking through from city to city to town to town to village to village and people to people, he's ministering to people as he goes. But you know what? The Bible tells us, look at this. Jesus didn't have a home on the earth. There was, he had no place to lay his head is the way the gospel accounts put it. So he was dependent upon hospitality. Now, Mideastern hospitality is wonderful. In Mideastern hospitality, it was nothing to open up your home for someone to come for a visit. And so he came into a little village called Bethany. Bethany is a unique village, very small, only about uh, two, three miles from Jerusalem. You can walk there easily in a day, out the eastern gate, down the Kidron Valley, up the Mount of Olives, and just over the Mount of Olives is Bethany, small village. He comes into the village. The first thing he notices is there's no Super 8. The lights are not on. There's no days in. Where is he going to stay? So a family invites him in. The family we know was made up of three people, Mary and Martha, who were sisters, and their brother Lazarus. And they heard that Jesus is coming to town, and they invite him to come and stay with them. Now, many scholars believe this is probably the first time they met. They became very good friends. But this is their first meeting, and Jesus is coming to the house. Now, ladies, what are you thinking if Jesus is coming to your house? I know what my wife's thinking. I can say it because she's not here. I'll pray for her. She's not here. She's helping. She's dealing with her mom this morning and some issues there. But she's, I would say it even if she were sitting there. But here's what my wife would do. Everything has to be straight. Everything has to be clean. Everything has to be into place. You go to the store. We need this, 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 and this. I'm going to cook this and this and this for the meal, and we're going to have it here, and we're going to get out the best plates, and we're going to, we're going to do everything that we can to make this a memorable stay. Wouldn't we? We would do that for anybody, and especially if the rabbi Jesus is coming to town. After all, word had begun to spread about this man from Nazareth. They had begun to spread about this Galilean who was healing the sick and, and unstopping the deaf ears and, and causing the lame to walk and, and, and he was teaching and his teaching was unlike any others. In fact, he was like teaching as no one else they had heard with authority that they had never experienced before. Everybody wanted to come and hear him teach and he's coming to their house. <laughs> now watch what Happens. This would make a great movie today. Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse number 37. Let's read. Here's what we see. It says, While they were traveling, as Jesus and his disciples, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Now, begin to paint a mental picture. I can't help it when I read the Gospels especially, I begin to develop these pictures because these are real-life accounts. I see Martha in her little home, and she's saying, Lord, come on in. She answers the door. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad to have you. Whatever we can do to make your stay more comfortable, we'll do. You just tell us what you need. Everything's good. We got the guest room over here ready. Everything's good. She welcomes him into her home. Verse 39. She had a sister named Mary. <laughs> who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. Now, right away, we see a difference in these sisters, Mary and Martha. 
Martha greets him at the door and says, come on in. What can I do? How can I get you comfortable? And then she disappears. And Mary, the sister, comes. And Mary sits at his feet and begins to listen. Now, what is that? You think, why would he, she sit at his feet? It, Mideast custom, the custom of the East was that when a teacher came, often, here's the thing, the teacher would sit while he taught. And as he would sit, people would gather at his feet, just sit on the floor, on the ground, right around, and would sit at his feet. The position was one of learning. She wanted to hear. She wanted to learn. And so when Jesus comes into the house, Mary does what I guess all of us would want to do, right? We would want to sit and listen to Jesus as he's teaching. And so she's sitting at his feet. But watch what happens next. It says in verse 40, but Martha was distracted. Distracted from what? Distracted from the teaching. Martha was not able to sit at his feet. Why? She was distracted by her many tasks. And she came up and asked the Lord, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Now, hold on. You see the picture? Come on. This is looking way 2020-ish to me. Because here's Martha. She looks in there and sees Mary sitting at the feet, learning. She's got her notepad. She's taking notes. She's learning from this wonderful teacher. And Martha's in the kitchen. And what's she doing? She's preparing the meal. Now, ladies, come on. Let's just be honest. Men, if you're the guy in the kitchen, let's just be honest. You're in the kitchen. Everybody else is watching the ball game. You're in the kitchen. Everybody else is around the pool. You're in the kitchen. Everybody else is having a laugh and, and playing a game. And you're in there slaving away. Now, even if you love it, you can't tell me you don't get a little bit ticked when sister is not in the kitchen with you. And she now is getting stirred. I got a feeling maybe the pots and pans got moved around a little bit louder. You know what I'm saying? I'm, not, I'm pretty sure that when she hit the, the meat on the, the table, on the bench, I'm pretty sure she did it a little bit harder. I wanted everybody to hear what was going on. Hey, don't forget I'm in here. Don't forget I'm here in the kitchen. And all the time, Sister Mary, what's she doing? She's sitting at the feet listening to Jesus. Now, I get that. Some of you in church, you're like that, right? Because I've heard this so many times. I've heard people say things like, I've said things like this. Well, I'd like to sit in church all the time too, but I'm over there serving with the kids. Mm. I wish I could just come into church and just sit. Come on now. I'm just saying we ought to understand that's how Mary's feeling right now. She's feeling really, I mean, Martha, I'm sorry, she's really feeling mad. So she goes to Jesus and she says, Would you please ask Mary to get up and come help? Now look at his response because his response is what I really want you to see. He said, verse, um, uh, verse 41, The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Stop right there. Don't read ahead yet. One thing is necessary. And that caught my attention this week. First of all, when Martha came and said, protested Mary and said, Lord, won't you do something? He said, Martha, Martha. You know what? I think there's a tenderness there. I really do think there's a tenderness. I don't think this is a rebuke on his part. As a matter of fact, some people have tried to villainize Martha. I don't think that's the point at all, and I'll talk about that in a moment. 
I think he very tenderly just says to her, Martha, 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 calm down. Calm down. There's one thing that's important. You see, that's what I'm thinking of right now. There's one thing. There's priorities in life. Reminds me of what the songwriter said. David, King David, when he wrote the Psalms, he wrote in the 27th Psalm these words. He said, one thing I've desired. One thing. In other words, he says, if I could have one thing, this is what I desire. The Apostle Paul echoed the same things in his letter to the Philippian church. The Apostle Paul said, this one thing I do. And now even more importantly, we hear Jesus say there's one thing. There are priorities in life. There are priorities that need to take place. The purpose of this, I think, has been really mishandled many times to villainize Martha and say it's, we ought not to be serving, we ought not to be working, we ought to always be sitting at Jesus' feet. And Listen, hold on, be careful. The purpose is not to villainize the good, but it is to promote the best. And sometimes... We miss out on the best because we settle for good. Did you hear that? That's really important. Sometimes we miss the best because we settled for the good. Jim Collins wrote a book, Good to Best. That book really helped me to understand that that is true in my life. So many times I miss out on best because I settle for good. What Martha was doing was good. What Mary chose was best. So how do we choose best? How do we put big rocks, the best, into our lives? Well, we have to be careful. We have to prioritize them and put them in first, or the good will crowd it out. Now, why is that important to you? And why you say, why are we learning this at church? This is not a leadership conference. I'll tell you why. Because Jesus clearly tells us what is best. And what he says is best is that we know him and that we follow him and that we see his grandeur and his glory. What's best is that we come to understand the fullness and the beauty of God. Let me finish that psalm. I quoted it, but let me read it to you, or the rest of it, from Psalm 27 and verse 4. Here's what David said. He, asked, he said, I've asked one thing from the Lord. It's what I desire. What? to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking Him in His temple. David said, if there's one thing, if there's one big rock in my life, it is a recognition and a constant remembrance of the awareness of the presence of God in my life and seeing Him in all of His beauty and grandeur, gazing on His beauty, and seeking him in this temple. Ah, that's why Jesus said other words. You remember what Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew? He gathered his disciples together and he said, Seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, all these other things will be added to you, but the most important thing you can seek, the one thing, is to seek me and to know me. By the way, the Apostle Paul, when he said, This one thing I do, can I remind you what the verse says? He said, Forgetting those things which are behind and pressing forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. So Paul says, The one thing in my life, the top priority, the big rock, if you will, is to know Christ 
in a personal, intimate, and growing relationship. But so many times, I don't have time for that. You know that takes time. This year, 2019, <clears throat> had a lot of big decisions to make. It may not have been big to you, but they were big to me. And I began to try to make those decisions, and I was struggling. And it occurred to me, wait a minute, the God of heaven, the creator of all, the omnipotent, omniscient, all-knowing God is present with me. I can listen to him. God, would you show me what decision I need to make? Now, you might look at me and say, you're crazy, Pastor Eddie. No, no, no. Listen to me carefully. God will speak to your heart. But here's the problem with it. Sometimes it takes time. It's way easier to just jump out there and do my own thing. It's a lot harder to sit and wait. But God's saying to me over and over and over, be aware of my presence. The one thing, the big rock in your life, being aware of my presence and beholding my beauty and my majesty, knowing me personally. Wow. That is a big rock. I, I just don't have time. I would, but. You know, to do that, I'm going to have to read my Bible more, but I don't have time. You don't understand, Pastor Eddie? You don't understand what my life is like before we get up? You know, it's easy for you. You don't have kids. <laughs> well, granted, it is easier for me since I don't have kids, but I did have kids. I understand. Well, I would do that, but you don't understand my life. My, my life is just too crazy. I, you know, I'd like to call somebody or do something for somebody, but I don't have time to do that. I'm just trying to take care of them. Here's what I'm saying. All of these urgent good things can crowd out what is most important. So we have to learn how to get a handle on putting the big rocks in. I think we have to get a little bit of Mary in us. Could I just contrast these two ladies with you for a moment? Think with me about what we just read, and let me contrast these two ladies. Now, I've got to tell you up front, i got a lot of Martha in me. i got a lot of Martha in me, and I really relate to Martha. Now, now maybe you do too, or maybe you have a lot of Mary in you. I'm, I'm not saying one is more important than the other. I think it's good to have both and some balance. But can I contrast them just for a moment? Look at it carefully. Several things I jotted down about Martha and Mary's, and I, I put them up here for us to look at so that you can see a comparison. First of all, let's talk about Martha's. What I've learned about Martha's is Martha's feel good about being busy with many tasks. Now, what we see that Luke tells us about Martha is that she is busy to the point of distraction with many tasks. Now, I got a feeling, because I know human nature, I wasn't there, but I know human nature. And I know because I got a little Martha in me, I like to be busy. And I feel good about my busy tasks. In fact, you know what I've learned about this generation? Uh, what I've learned about this day, I should say, not this generation, but this day that we live in, I've learned that sometimes we think the busier we are, the more successful we are, the more important we are. We, in fact, we, listen, we make busyness a badge of honor, right? I'm so busy, I just go from sunup to sunset seven days a week, and I just don't have time for it because I'm so busy, I'm so successful. Hold on a minute. Who said? Who said? But see, where Martha's feel good about their many tasks. But the problem is, then Martha's look at the world and think everybody ought to be like them. Second thing I noticed is this. 
Marthas often allow good things to distract them from the best things. Because I'm so busy doing good things, I often don't have time for the best things. Now, while Martha was doing a good thing, cooking the dinner for the Lord and, and preparing this meal, and I'm sure it was an incredible meal. And by the way, that was pretty important because he needed to eat. He was a human like us, and he was hungry, and, and that was a good thing. But the problem is she forfeited the best. She had an opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus. How many of us had that opportunity? What an opportunity! I think Martha's often allow good things to distract us from the best things. Can I go back to my earlier thought? Eh, I'm sitting in my study. I'm doing a good thing. I'm getting that study all organized and put together and rearranged so that I can work harder and more effectively in the new year. And that's a good thing. I almost missed out on the best thing, which is shooting a little basketball with Brody that still allowed me to get the work done later on that night. However, if I'd have made the wrong choice, I'd have settled for sand and pebbles. See what I'm saying? Yeah, that's Martha. Often allow good things to distract from the best things. Now, the next thing's going to be a little bit painful, especially if you're a Martha. Look at what's next. I think this is very important. Throw up that next slide, please. Martha's never think people around them are working enough. Yeah, I told you it's a little bit painful, especially if you're a Martha. Because you know that's true. You're busy about your task, and you're enjoying your task. And guess what? People around me are not working enough. Did you see Mary? She is in there sitting at the feet of Jesus. That is very unproductive. What is she getting out of that? There's all this work that needs to be done. There's all this service that needs to be done, and she is wasting time. <laughs> That's kind of the way Martha's think. Nobody else is busy enough. Now, the problem is then, you know what we do? We push some unhealthy things on other people. And then here's the last one. And I think this is maybe as painful as anything. Usually, Martha's usually feel like what they're working on is more important than what someone else is doing. If you know a Martha, is that not the truth? Come on. I mean, you know what I'm saying? What I'm doing is never as important as what they're doing. And I'm like, well, hold on a minute. Some of you, right here this morning, I know I can't read your mind, and I'm glad I can't. But I'm also glad you can't read mine. <laughs> but I know what you're thinking. You mean, Pastor Eddie, you stopped what you were doing to go shoot, shoot basketball with a 10-year-old. That was very unproductive. It did not produce anything. And you're right, it did nothing to advance the job that I was working in, the task that I was working on. It did nothing to advance that. So Martha's would tend to look at that and think, that's so unimportant. It was critically important at the moment. Me and Brody had a great time. We even included Aliana and Bryce. That's pretty cool, but usually Martha's feel like what they're working on is more important than anybody else. And so why aren't you doing the same thing I'm doing? Because they're not built like you, nor do we have the same big rocks. Can I just say that? Some of you don't have grandkids. That's not a big rock for you, amen? But you got other big rocks. What are they? And how can you put them in first? Now, look, look at Mary's. Here's the thing about Mary's, the contrast in Mary's. And I love Mary's, and I want to be more like Mary. Mary's have the same choices as Martha's. That's the first thing I noted. Mary could have made the same choice. She could have gone into the kitchen. She could have helped Martha. She could have helped prepare the meal. She had the same choices. She chose different. It's all right for people to choose different than you, Martha. <laughs> you see, she chose different, but she had the same choices. 
it occurs to me that we all have the same amount of time. We just make different choices of how to spend that time. One of the pet peeves in my life is when somebody says to me, I don't have time for that. When I tell them I'm doing this, I don't have time for that. Martha's tell me that all the time. Well, I'm going to the gym this morning. I don't have time for that. We all have 24 hours. Now, just tell me. I'm not choosing to spend an hour of my time down at the gym. I'm okay with that. But we all have the same amount of time to deal with. Our jars are the same size. Our rocks are different sizes. Second thing, Mary's make the right choice. In case you're wondering or in case you're just thinking, oh, I don't think, I don't agree with this, Pastor Eddie, but it's okay. I'm just saying, here's what Jesus said when Martha came and said, would you tell Mary to come help me? Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're distracted by all these many tasks. Mary has chosen the right thing. Mary's chosen the right thing. You may think it's unproductive. You may think she's being lazy. You may think that she's ignoring her responsibility and her work, but I'm saying to you that sitting at my feet, developing a personal, growing, intimate relationship with Christ is the right choice. It needs to be your big rock. You do have time, but you've got to choose to use the time in that manner. Which leads to the third thing, and that is Mary's make choices that last. When you choose to make your big rock an awareness of the presence of God and, and relishing His beauty and His glory and His grandeur, and as a result of that, serving Him, not because somebody needs to do it, but serving Him because of His beauty and His glory and His grandeur. I'm so glad that there's some Martha in me because I love serving Jesus. I think about all that He has done for me. I think about His finished work on the cross. I think about the fact that He came to die so that I could have life eternal. I think about the fact that He came to offer me not only life, but life more abundant. I want to serve Him. I love serving Him. You say, well, that's because you're the pastor. No, frankly, that has nothing to do with it. I know a lot of pastors who dreaded getting out of bed this morning, frankly. <laughs> and you heard about the pastor, didn't you? That didn't want to get out of bed. The man, I should say, wanted to get out of bed on Sunday morning. Told his wife he wasn't getting out of bed, he wasn't going to church. And she said, but you got to, you're the pastor. <laughs> Believe me, that happens. I tell people all the time, what I do on Sunday morning, I do for free. This is what I love doing. I love serving. I get paid for putting up with Monday through Saturday. But the truth of the matter is, serving Jesus is a blessing. It's good. But knowing Him is even greater. And that choice lasts forever into eternity. So how in the world do we do it? Well, I got two minutes. And in those two minutes, I think I can give you four observations and I'm done. First of all, let me just wrap it up by saying this. Maybe the takeaway that I would want to say is this. You choose to do what you do, right? You make choices. You choose what rocks go into the jar and which ones don't. 
So you say, how do I choose? How do I do it, Pastor Eddie? I'm going to give you something as practical as I know how to give you. Four thoughts, okay? First one, very important. Block out distractions. The Lord looked at Martha and said, Martha, you are distracted by so many things. You know what? We live in a world of distractions. How many things are, how many distractions are in our life? What is distracting you? What is it that there's so much that in this world of, of wonderful technology that I just love and can even get nerdy and geeky over almost? There are so many distractions. How do I block out them? Well, for some, it might mean turning the TV off. <gasps> can you do that? For some, turning the TV off. Man, I've been thinking about that. I don't watch TV a lot, but I've Still watch it too much. I'm going to turn that thing off. Here's one. Hold on. I'm going to get some people mad at me on this one. Turn off some notifications. <laughs> I was sitting at supper. We were sitting at the, the, the table with the grandkids over the holidays. We were all sitting around eating. And one of the group texts that I'm a part of started blowing up. You know how that is, right? Ding, 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 ding. The grandkids finally looked up and said, Gee, Daddy, would you go do something with your phone? <laughs> I'm like... Yeah, I'd like to do something with it right now. Throw it away. Fine, I'll have to do that, but I can turn off the notifications. Here's what happens to me. Does it happen to you? I pick up my uh, I get. I'm working on a task. I'm working on something important, and then I get a notification, and then I got to go check the text or, or check the email or check the, the phone call or, or check. Wait a minute. I don't have to do that. So I'm just turning some notifications off. So now don't get mad at me if you text me and I don't answer you in five seconds. Right? That's the way we are. If you don't answer, what's the matter with you? I texted you five seconds ago and you haven't answered yet. That's, that's just going to become a little rock for me. Block out distractions. But here's something. What about turning on? No, go back, go back one more time. How about turning on some important reminders, alarms and events? If you're going to have alarms or events on your phone, why not turn on some good ones like this one? How about this? Why don't you set a notification for tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. to get up and read your Bible? You're like, no, no, I know you've lost your mind. Well, I was exaggerating maybe a little bit. Why not notify? Why not send yourself a notification at 11 o'clock in the morning? Hey, write a note of encouragement to somebody. Or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Why don't you call somebody and check on them? I, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying we can turn the this technology thing to the positive and utilize it as big rocks. Turn on important reminders. Let me give you the other two. I got to go quickly. Number three, expect important things to take longer than you think. Take time to do important things. My little basketball game with Brody took a good 45 minutes out of my day. Took longer than I expected. Mainly because I couldn't beat him quite as easily as I thought. Number four, use your values to guide your decisions. Let your values decide your decision. What do you value? What really is important? What do you value that must be fit into your life? Man, so many in my life. I value my family. I value my friends. I value my ministry. I value you guys. How do we fit it all in? You know what? <clears throat> we start with the big rocks, and we put them in first, and then we add the pebbles, 
and then the sand and finally the water and our lives are filled up that's not a bad thing but they're filled up with the things that I and my father value greatly would you pray with me every head bowed every eye closed